Welcome to Rob and Tony's Cinematic Adventure. I'm Rob Wilson. And I'm Tony Zaguano. Today's movie we're doing Hot Fuzz. The second yeah. movie in the Cornetto trilogy. I love it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> directed by Edgar Wright. Starring Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Frost. Again. <laughs> Fantastic movie. <laughs> I mean, you know, written by Wright and Pegg and Ross is always right in there, that star. So, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> yeah, we of course last time did uh, did Shaun of the Dead, and now we're moving on to Hot Fuzz. So, hopefully, uh, you had time to watch it. If you did not watch it, um, I'm gonna go ahead and right now say spoiler alert. We are gonna be talking about every part of this movie. So, if you have not watched the <clears throat> the movie Hot Fuzz, then go ahead, and if you do not want to be spoiled, go ahead and pause the podcast, watch the movie, come back and listen. So, uh, if you don't mind being spoiled, then, uh, you know, just keep on listening. But hopefully you've had time <laughs> since the last episode to watch Hot Fuzz. Yeah, I remember when we first watched this, and at that, you know, last time we talked about how uh, Wright, you know, Peg and Frost were kind of new to us. Mm-hmm. Obviously, at this point, yeah, this is three years later that Hot Fuzz comes out. Yeah, which the great thing is, like the first time that you and I saw Shaun of the Dead was uh, together. First time each of us had seen Hot Fuzz was together. And I remember, like, we watched it. We didn't see it in theaters. We watched it on DVD at your yep. parents' place. Yep. <laughs> remember, <laughs> your dad was working yep. overnights. At the hotel. And yeah, and he was, was uh, he actually had a night off, and he was trying to sleep up. upstairs. And... <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> we were laughing so loud that uh, it woke him up. And... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> he, wasn't, he was not happy. <laughs> it was a funny movie, though. It's a hilarious movie. Yes, yes, it was. A lot of big names in there so, too. Yeah, so s- some other names that probably, in terms of if you're maybe not to the average film goer, maybe, but if you're more of art house type things, they definitely brought in other names. Or if you're into Doctor Who, there's a lot of Doctor Who actors in this yeah. too, <laughs> just like there were in Shaun uh, of the Dead. Jim Broadband uh, would be one. I guess mainstream there was, you know, obviously Timothy Dalton. Yes, James Bond himself. <laughs> he had second DOS appearances next to George Lansenby, who only had the one. Dalton only had two. Yep. The Living Daylights and License to Kill. But yeah, a bunch of other very British actors and actresses. Bill Nye, of course, is in this one again. Just like he was in Shaun of the Dead. He was in uh, Hot Fuzz also. That's right. If you watch The Crown on Netflix, yes, Olivia Coleman. Olivia has Coleman. A role in this. Yes, Olivia Coleman, who had um, a small part in an episode of Doctor Who, and who also starred in Broadchurch, which is an amazing show. If you have not yeah. seen that, you need to watch good it. It call is on that one, oh, it's such a good show. Her and David Tennant, who just putting this out there, David Tennant is my absolute favorite actor of all time. Yeah, I love Tennant. He is terrific. Who, of course, played the 10th Doctor in Doctor Who. But yeah, Broadchurch uh-huh. is an amazing show. If you have not seen it, I highly recommend it. 
Steve Coogan has a small role in it. Yes, he does. Who is? If you haven't seen Tropic Thunder, he has a hilarious <laughs> role in that. <laughs> yep. Martin Freeman has another small role. And then also in a small role, it's on credit, is Kate Blanchett. Yes. Kate Blanchett plays uh, you know, Nicholas his, Angel's his, uh, ex-girlfriend. Ex-girlfriend, yeah. You see her at the beginning of the movie, and she's wearing basically a mask. Yeah, she's, she's wearing, you know, the... She's, a big smock and a, COVID. and a face mask and all that. All you can see is her eyes and her <laughs> uh, unique Kate Blanchett voice. You know, the person that's in this, if you're, uh, he's in Lethal Weapon 3, but if you're someone else that's of our age, that like teenage Ninja Turtles, mm-hmm. is Stuart Wilson, mm-hmm. who's in the third Ninja Turtles movie. Yes, it's a bunch there's... of very British... Actors, yes. actresses in this. Yes, that I mean it makes sense because it's a British American movie. Thing. So you know, right. <laughs> you know, and obviously they might end up in some American movies. Yes, because it will take roles. It makes sense in Turtles Three since he plays a British man in Japan that he would be in that movie. But he has a small role as well. And again, like we just talked about with Sean Zeld last time, you know, a lot of people might see in some of the British stuff you might. Yes, especially if you're American, you know, if you're listening to that. Obviously, if you're in England, yeah, you, yeah, if you're in England, yeah, obviously. I think most of, of the same bases probably show up in America <clears throat> that you used to. If you want to go ahead and then you know talk about the premise of it and what they're scooping. Yes, yeah, so Simon Pegg plays Nicholas Angel, who uh, is the best cop in London. He outshines the rest of the uh, or the Metropolitan Police Force. And uh, it gets to the point where they can't stand to have him in there anymore because he's making everybody else look bad. So they uh, transfer him to this little village in England. Somewhere <laughs> in the countryside. Yeah. And uh, where, where nothing ever happens. Seemingly, nothing ever happens. Wait. And uh, as a quick aside, thinking about the kind of the prologue, they'll talk about how he's such a good police officer. Right? He's not going to say policeman. No, they get into that a police movie. officer. Another person that has a cameo in the movie is not really an actor. It's Peter Jackson. Oh, really? Where's Peter Jackson? He is the cop. The, the police he's officer? The Santa Claus that stabs. <laughs> oh, yes, he is. Yes, he's the Santa Claus that stabs Nick Angel through the hand. Prologue. <laughs> which is a running joke about how his hand is doing. Which seems to maybe be alluding to something else. I don't, I don't know. Peter Jackson, of course, director of several movies, including the Lord of the Rings trilogy Lord and the, the Hobbit Rings, trilogy. Also has a bunch of British actors. And several other great movies that he's done. Including King Kong, which I think is his King Kong is very underrated. I do, too. And also uh, Dead was... Alive, which <laughs> is his first horror movie. <laughs> yeah. That was his first one, right? His first horror yeah. movie? Yeah. Uh, or, yeah. Very strange sensibility. He had cameos in all of his Lord of the Ring movies too. Yes, he did. But uh, he, was, he was the Santa Claus that stabs. Yes, he <laughs> was the Santa Claus that stabs Nick Angel through the hand. <laughs> but you know, Nick Angel, you know, he's that kind of classic cop that takes things way—I should say, way too seriously—very seriously, and he, it's hard to. Yeah, he he has no sense of humor when it comes to police work. <laughs> he's a very by the book officer. He's not John McClane. No, no, he is not. 
At least not yet. <laughs> but he does his job well. Yes, yes, he does. He does his job very well. To the point where he made seriously. everybody else in the Metropolitan Police Force look bad, so they transferred him to to the to the tiny little tiny little village. That's what I like about me. Like, you know, he takes the job seriously. You know, I think like okay, he may not be as maybe more you know like John McClane again. It's funny, you know, Die Hard's an action movie. It's not really a buddy cop movie. You know, he's Sanford. got kind of his support with Al. But, you know, McClane doesn't mind being unconventional. But he wants to put the bad guys to justice. And Angel wants that, too. So they, they share that in common. But you, you don't blame him for thinking that he's going to go to the small town where, like, what is he supposed to do? Yes. The small town of Sanford, this little village. And it's like, you know, what we talked about last time, like, if... You know, maybe, you know, like, you know, maybe you live in England or been to England or have family in England. You might kind of know the small English town that they're trying to kind of reference here. Yes. I'm sure there's plenty of them. And in a way, that you know, there's aspects of that even here in America. But I'm sure it's very different. Kind of that idyllic countryside English town that they send them. It's, yes, you know, they send them there because... For all they know, nothing happens there. But we find out in, throughout the movie that things happen there. They just get covered up. Well, when I think about it, you know, they're sending up American action buddy cop movies. Yes. <laughs> and they're using it within the setting of a simple English Yes. Album. Especially <laughs> Point Break and Bad Boys 2. Yes. The, the, those two in particular. Uh, that's why you say like the buddy cop aspect. Well, but they have aspects that, of is... other buddy cop movies too, and other just cop movies, not even necessarily buddy cop movies. Because I mean, if you really look at it, Point Break's not really a buddy cop movie so much because it's, it's only not. one FBI agent that it centers on, but it's his relationship with the villain, with the bank <laughs> robber. But the, the other thing it kind of sends up in a way is also just the idea of kind of a slasher movie. Yes. I mean, even Dalton's character's name is... Skinner. He's a his slasher of prices. Is, yes, his name is Walter Skinner, and he's a slasher of prices. Because he owns a grocery it, store. It, yeah, it ends up being the basic conceit of the movie. Once he gets to the town, it's like, these really crazy things mm-hmm. start happening. You know, kids who are going around spray painting stuff start disappearing. And, you know, anybody who does anything to uh, ruin the aesthetic of the town, disappears. Nobody knows where they go. No, no one questions that small town. It's probably like, what, three, four thousand people, maybe? If that. We look at the town, and then like maybe the countryside surrounding it. Yeah, probably three, it's probably the height end. It's probably like 1,500 people, 1,000 people. But yeah, so uh, Nick Angel starts noticing that, that you know people are going missing. And he starts, he starts to investigate it. It's even before that, he's doing his job. Like He's like, oh, there's kids drinking underage yeah. at this pub. And so, yeah, he, he arrests the kids. And, of course, his, the, the partner that's assigned to him, played by Nick Frost, is the police chief's son. And he arrests him. <laughs> yes, he arrests him for being drunk in public. And then finds out the <laughs> next day that he's his new partner. Like, I want the question him. I was like, no, he's not going to be good in the morning. It's like, oh. Like, you know, at first you're thinking, oh, he's just the town drunk that gets arrested a lot. Yep. <laughs> Throw him in the drunk tank and deal with yeah, him in the morning. So... No, no. 
Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it turns out Danny Butterman, played by Nick Frost, is uh, Chief Butterman's son, who clearly <laughs> got the job through nepotism. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, like, it's a small town. I, I like the names in it, though, because, like, Butterman and these kind of fat yeah he's kind of a butterball <laughs> angel because he acts like an angel mm-hmm. skinner and he's a slasher prices <laughs> and maybe more we don't know we will spoil the movie eventually and then of course there's scares. there's reverend philip shooter <laughs> who later in the climax of the movie which we'll get to has some guns but it, it it seems like and again you, know, you talk about like not knowing that setting. I think I think there are aspects of Hot Fuzz that are particularly more British mm-hmm. than Sean it is right in there. Is kind of the aspects of the characters they hit who they represent within a small town of England, whether it be like the Reverend of the town or the pub keeper of the town, and even maybe some of the close knitness of it, like the person that's running the market. You know, like. You, I just think it's funny when he's like finally getting a tour of the um, police station there in town. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, it, the, the different characters he meets with him. You know, you have the twins, uh, Olivia Coleman, but then you know he gets introduced to the neighborhood watch, right? Which is like a literal neighborhood watch. They do everything for <laughs> the greater good. The greater good. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you need the uh, cable guys, right? <laughs> Good. The great are good. They're watching everything. And he, they even noticed his handiwork from last night. You know, when he first gets into town and he hasn't even been introduced to everybody. You know, he's met the innkeeper. He's met the pub owners. Um, and he meets some of the local youth. Yeah. <laughs> Drinking underage. I, I love that kid. He's like, how old are you? He's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for that kid. Yeah. Because later on, we discover because... You know, Angel intervened. Yep. He had to be, you know, when he disposed of. Kid with a traffic cone on his head. <laughs> Which still doesn't really make any sense. Like, they just, they could just easily, like, not charge him. Yep. Like, like that didn't happen. Yep. And not. Make him get rid of the spray paint. But, you know, it's that contrast immediately. Like, you know, it's, I think, it gets that shock going in the small town. And then, like, oh, he sees a nepotism. He's like, oh, yeah, okay, this guy just arrested us, the police chief's son. And, you know, he's driving drunk, whatever. Like, you know, he's jaded by that, but he's still singularly focused on what he's supposed to do. When Angel and Butterman are out, you know, interviewing people, was that when they were looking for the swan? Yeah. When they when they come across David Bradley, who uh, speaks very unintelligibly. <laughs> you know, very, uh, you can't understand a word he's saying, but uh, Butterman can but yeah, he's holding the shotgun there. Angel asks him if he has a permit for it. He's like, I do for this one. <laughs> <laughs> and they go open his shed. And it's just full of guns. And a sea mine. <laughs> ton of guns and a sea mine. What's he doing with a friggin' sea mine? <laughs> Where do you find a sea mine? <laughs> so, of course, they confiscate it. And all those guns come back later in the movie. But. They As does the mind. As does the mind. <laughs> uh, and David Bradley, of course, another uh, actor from Doctor Who. He was portrayed the first Doctor in the last for the last several years, ever since uh, the actual first Doctor passed away. 
almost everything comes back play <laughs> yes <laughs> everything they introduce at the beginning of the movie comes back later it, it's you know it's funny that i even thought about this is like you know like the cohen's like they introduce a lot of things and some things come back some things don't mm-hmm. <laughs> you kind of have to watch you know like what's gonna come back what doesn't and with this almost everything comes back yeah and like i said you got you pay attention to like the names and the, the that will mm-hmm. play a role later in the movie yeah the names fit with their personalities. And the first thing we, we know, it's um, it quickly becomes, I guess you call it a murder mystery. Yeah. And also, <laughs> I mean, this is the one cop movie that really focuses on the one thing that most cop movies don't focus on. You know what mm-hmm. that is? Paperwork. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> There'll be a lot of paperwork. <laughs> Which is so true. Like they're cops. They need you know, the bureaucracy <laughs> will not allow anything else. <laughs> yep. but yeah, they, they set everything up really well between showing everything at the police station and then beating everybody else in town with the neighborhood watch association. It's all set up while well. they give you everything you need to know that's gonna come into play later. Because then the next thing they you know, they meet a man named Martin Blower. <laughs> With Eve Draper, <laughs> Romeo, and Juliet. Let's just say they're not the most refined actors. No, they are not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after after questioning them, uh, or after questioning Martin Blower, he offers uh, Angel and Butterman tickets to his play that night. Right, because he catches them seeing it. A typical speed trap. After pulling them over, they... Uh, yeah, he offers them tickets to the play, and uh, Angel sees it as a bribe, so he turns it down. And then when they get back to the station, they're given tickets by the chief <laughs> to the play <laughs> so that they can represent the police department. I always like, like, afterwards, like, obviously, the, the terrible actors. It's a terrible, not even just terrible actors, it's a terrible production of Romeo and Juliet. Yes. They work in the Cardigan's love song. Yes. <laughs> to their production. Of- yes. They try to, you know, um, Martin tries to play up like, oh, they actually took the tickets after all. Then Butterman's like, no, I tell you, (laughs) blows him off, essentially. Because, like, you can even see that early on, how much he looks up to, like, Nick. Like, he finally sees this cop that's kind of closer to what he's seeing in these movies. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Nick, like. It's funny because it's, it's it's a little ironic because like Nick's blowing off what those movies are really like, even though Butterman sees in him the characters that he admires in those movies. Yeah, he sees Keanu Reeves and he sees Will Smith, but uh, it, it, he's constantly questioning him about it. You know, have you ever fired two guns at the same time? Have you ever fired two guns at the same time whilst jumping through the air? Have you ever fired one gun whilst jumping through the air? Have you ever fired? Is it true. <laughs> There's a place in the man's it's head that if you that shoot if it, you shoot it, it will it blow will up. Blow up. <laughs> <laughs> Which you know, if you've seen the movie, you know what we're talking about. Where he's just sitting with a bunch of kindergartners. And did you know? So Nick Frost, I guess he he came up with the name Danny Butterman. Okay. So uh, apparently, he only agreed to do the film if he could get to name his character, and also he. <laughs> He was asked to watch over 20 action movies to prepare for his part, but he only watched one. Can you guess what that one was? Asked him to watch it. Like, I mean, it's perfectly within his character. Yeah. 
Can can you guess what one he watched? What did he watch? Bad Boys Two. Bad Boys Two. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually like it's a perfect name too. I mean, the Butterbend because of like the, you know obviously you know being rotund. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like Danny just seems like he seems like this kind of the shelter child, and Danny fits within that. Yes. <laughs> So it's well named, but as we soon figure out, because there's strange deaths that are happening, including tragic, what do they call it? Collisions, or they'll call them accidents, right? Yeah, they call them traffic collisions. Because <laughs> accident, decapitated, accident uh, implies that someone is was at fault. There's decapitated bodies in the middle of the road, right? And they're not policemen and police women. They are police officers. But of course, Butterman called a policeman officer. But yeah, you know, we've we've seen the guy dressed as Death right before these really strange yep. accidents happen. And the first one is a traffic collision, which is not traffic collisions. We just see decapitate two heads. Which like, how is that going to happen in a traffic collision accident? Whatever we want to call. It. And obviously, our protagonist Nick Angel. You know, he's a very astute police officer man. Policeman police officer. officer. <laughs> Expects something else. He doesn't know what it is yet. He's going to be wrong. He's going to be very surprised yes, about what Partially because of who it is. The stars of Romeo and Juliet. But then the uh, the next one that happens is George Merchant. And Merchant's an appropriate last name because he's a developer. This is after the sea mine discovery. Yes, has but... been confiscated. Confiscated. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And everyone's acting like you know it's like it's hilarious because like there's all this absurd Every, stuff yeah. happening. Everybody's acting and, like every all these deaths are just coincidental. Like it's, it's just a big coincidence <laughs> that all these people keep on dying. There's also a living statue that is yes. a plague of the town. Yes, the living statue. <laughs> oh. oh, oh. There's nothing worse but, in that town than a living statue. But, like, you know... That the, dude and, just painting himself and standing still all day in one spot. Again. That's just... It's, they've been voted wow. best village in England. You would think that would be the appropriate place for a living statue. Because there's so, yeah. plenty of tourists that would want to visit a small England village. Yeah. And then see something like a living statue. Like, that, that, that's that got to be, like, tourism has to be their bread and butter. It's like their big economic interest is like American bougie money. But apparently they don't want to become like really well known other than being the best village in England. It's only the best village. They don't want to be like touristy. But anyway, maybe they haven't thought that through. How many years have they had? They, they mentioned it at some point. Yeah, I don't remember how many years they said. It's, it's not them. It's actually that. If anybody out there knows how many years they've been uh, voted best London, village, like, then uh, let us know. Been, like, I don't know how many years. But yeah, that. so they have like like Danny and Nick. They go out for drinks. And they have an evening of watching Bad Boys. Yes. <laughs> bad Boys. And then there's a gas explosion <laughs> yes, in a mansion. Because Danny brings up, you know, you want to watch a movie, Point Break or Bad Boys 2. And Nick is like, well, Nick's like, well, which do you prefer? He's like, no, which one do you want to watch first? Because Danny has every intention to watch both of them that night. Is it interesting that Bad Boys 1 doesn't enter into the conversation? Well, I mean, Bad Boys 2 is the more popular one. It's one of those sequels that's more popular than the original. 
It's one of the funny things about like Michael Bay, right? He had this series of things in the nineties. He had Bad Boys, mm-hmm. then The Rock, which are these both good action movies. Yeah. And then, you know, he gets the both R rated action movies. But from that he springs into Armageddon. Which again is kinda of like a disaster action movie. But like it, that helped kind of catapult him more in the mainstream and you know, he helped be able to do like Bad Boys too from it. Because at that point when Bad Boys came out, like Will Smith was you know, he was the fresh prince, but he wasn't box office star yet. I mean, he ben was. Black had come. No, uh he was because Independence Day in '96. That's what really oh, catapulted Will Smith to superstardom. What year did Bad Boy, the first Bad Boys, come out? Was it '97? That's a good point because yeah, Bad Boys was the first Bad Boys was '95. '95. Okay, so so okay, so okay, so Bad Boys then Independence Day, and then in '98 was Men in Day, Black. So really catapulted him. I feel like Fresh Prince was like a wasn't a hugely popular TV series. I think people kind of went back. After stuff like Independence Day, like oh yeah, but yeah, by the time like Bad Boys came out, I mean that was well after Independence Day and Men in Black and all that, right? You know they were able to do Bad Boys too because of the even more popularity that like Martin Lawrence and Will Smith had, and like Bad Boys too was like not that long before Hot Fuzz. I mean, Point Break was early nineties, but yeah, I think you know Hot Fuzz more that blending of that. Buddy cop and kind of that slasher aspect, that mystery of like, oh, what's really going on? Yeah, which, like we mentioned with uh, Shaun of the Dead, it's another perfect blending of comedy and a serious movie. Right, because for Angel, like, you know, this is his life. Like, he defines himself as being a cop. He talks about how, like, he was given, like, this... Yeah, the pedal car. Place, yeah. He was given a, a, a police uncle, car pedal right? car when he was a kid. And then was, you know, pulling all the other kids over, <laughs> playing cops and robbers. and But, you know, it's hard, you know, like, and they play off that. It's like, how, how do you separate that off? And, like, yeah. you get that, not just with him, you later find out, like, other people in the town, of things that happen. Like, how do you separate these things that happen to you, yourself? Like, with Danny's father, it's hard for him to separate what happens to his wife, Danny's mother, and everything else, and that's what drives him to be so concerned about everything else in town. Because, you know, it's not like a living statue is what caused his wife to kill. No, but uh, the living statue is, it's a plague to the to the community. The living statue and the graffiti kids, they, they need to be dealt with. Yep. It's it's <laughs> all for the great or good. <laughs> Which is commentary in its own self, not like, you know. How far do you go to preserve the greater good? The greater good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you're willing to drop a loose piece of stone onto a journalist's head. Yeah. To the point where it becomes his head for a few seconds while he's walking around before he falls over. Because he's not a great speller. Yeah, because he misspells things in the in the uh, newspaper. Shouldn't they really be offing the editor? Which in the uh, in the DVD commentary, Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg talk about how uh, they thought that the misspellings in the newspaper would make it into to the IMDb goofs section. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. But that's the thing. Like, it, they're in there for a reason because Tim Messenger is not a good speller. Again, Messenger. 
And he's a reporter sharing messages <laughs> with people. User edits, <laughs> but that's how they work. People miss. But yeah, shouldn't the ire not be towards to Messenger? Okay, yeah, he can't spell, but shouldn't the editor be catching? catching yeah. I mean, the editor the should be errors? catching that, yes. He should be the one that died. He should be the one that died. Not <laughs> yeah, Messenger. he should be the one at fault for not catching it. I mean, yes, Tim Messenger misspelled the stuff, but... If you're the editor of a newspaper like that, no, you should be catching spelling mistakes. I mean, look at at Superman. Lois Lane was a terrible speller. Perry White caught those those spelling errors and fixed them, or got her to fix them, you know, before he published, because Perry White was a good editor. It's like, yeah, I get their small town people, like, apparently this has been a plague on the people for a while, because they just say, like, yeah. But, all right. So here's the spoiler the neighborhood walls association they're killing everybody that's making the town look bad yes that's that's uh, doing anything to uh keep them from winning the the, the best village in england best village award but like best tim's been the he's been a columnist for a while right so like mm-hmm. why does he need to die all of a sudden like no if his phone has been that bad it's because the editor is not re- reaching it so yeah. the editor should have been the one that died unless he's part of the name but no they're not beyond killing themselves right yeah. Because yeah, they and, killed their the, the town horticulturalist because she's going to take her town yes town. to another town. She's going to take her her flower skills somewhere else, so that other they town is going to be pretty, and they're not going to be as pretty. through her neck. But uh, but yeah, but it's it's not one person that's going around killing everybody. It's it's, it's different members they, of the uh, of they take turns the neighborhood watch. They they share and the they kill. Me. They each have their own black cloak, and uh, yeah, it's a different person every time. Makes me wonder though, like when she they kill her, right? Like uh, is that the first time they kill one of their own? Because they kind of reference like when like Nick I think so you know, finds out, like they say, oh yeah, we hated killing one of our own. I think so. I think that might be the first time they kill one of their own. But yeah, it, it, and but it, it's <laughs> the the moment when when uh, Danny finds out what his dad's been doing. When he finds out about the neighborhood watch's big secret, and and Nick and Nick is trying to reason with him, and tell him that they're trying to be judge, jury, and executioner, <laughs> and Danny is Judy. like, "But they're not judge, Judy, and executioner." <laughs> uh, judge, I, I like Judy, the and executioner. Absurdness of it. They play the absurd, the absurdness of it a little bit more than like a shot of the dead. Then Nick gets chased out of town, so gets sent back to the London right. yeah, the Metropolitan no, well, Police he... Force, but he goes back. But I, I love that and, aspect uh, of this. He, he could just go back and just be like, whatever. And... Yeah. But he turns around, he goes back to Sanford and he, you know, raids the, uh, the evidence locker where all the guns from David Bradley are. What I love about it is what what turns him around. He he stops at a gas station. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And he sees DVDs. the DVDs. He sees the, what is the Point Break DVD. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes back, raids the evidence locker, gets all the guns, and then uh, he's able to reason with the other officers and and recruit them to his side. Great. Because he, he starts shooting because they see him. He's running on the horse with all these guns. They yeah. start to shoot out. And they come in. They're, they're going to be... At first, they, they're, he's the enemy. And then, like... Yeah, he's riding on a horse. He's got two shotguns on his back. Right? That are both sticking up. 
looking like antlers coming out of his head. And that's where we that's where we find out uh, how Reverend Shooter got his name because he's uh, he he steps out in the middle of the street. He's got two little uh, two guns up his sleeves that pop out, taxi driver style. Like, you know, let's have peace, brother. You know, <laughs> I, I, it's how quickly it turns on like this absurd action shootout. Yes. Oh, and then, then of course, Which, uh, Danny gets to uh, jump through the air whilst firing two guns, or two, firing two guns whilst jumping through the air. And then the rest of the police force, who's been like completely skeptical of Angel's entire movie, right? Yeah, they're in the middle of the bar, and he just says, "Like, aren't we curious about how many people go missing in this town? How many accidents there are?" Like, oh wait. All of a sudden, that quickly, like, he turned and died. Yeah. And they're yeah, okay, completely right. on his side. It's absurd in all the right ways. Yes, it is. <laughs> all the right ways. And then they have, you know, they join his side. And, you know, it's just a big shootout there from the end. They go to the grocery store and they end the shootout. And they have your standard car chase, right? Which ends in the bottle village. Yes, <laughs> a model village <laughs> where they end up having a little fight scene in there. Like it was King Kong versus Godzilla. Like, you know, what, what do they set off to? Like, you know, it's like it's not rain. They set off like a sprinkler <laughs> fighting. And then Skinner ends up falling and getting impaled through the chin. It's so awful. <laughs> like, he goes through his, he goes through right behind his chin and up through the front of his, right in front of his nose. So his jaw stuck like, forward. You look at it like, like you feel bad for him. You're yeah. like, holy hell. It's like, really? That's he gotta hurt that? like hell. I know. <laughs> and then he says, this really hurts. <laughs> you look at it. You can't imagine any more painful things. Yeah. Like, it goes through his jaw, and it goes through his tongue. No, I don't think it went through his tongue. It just went through his chin. I think it went in front of his Is tongue. His yeah, it went through, right, right behind his chin, into that okay. soft area behind the chin. And I think it went in front of his tongue, and then just out in front of his nose. <laughs> That's got to be extremely painful. Yeah. And as soon as you're thinking that, he says, this really hurts. It's funny, it, it's James Bond. Yeah. <laughs> it's Timothy Dalton. And the, you know, there's so many little one-liners in the movie because it, it makes fun of the aspect of these action movies and these one-liners. And um, who's the um, grocery store worker? They send to like hurt Angel. Yeah, Yarp. And he's like, bedtime's over. No, playtime's really. over. Playtime's over. That's what it was. He's got the stuffed monkey. Playtime's over. Oh, I can't, was, I can't even think of his name. Lurch. Lurch, yeah. Yeah. Well, his nickname was Lurch. <laughs> it's Lurch. Michael Armstrong. Yeah, Roy McCann. Who's in Game of Thrones? Clash of the Titans. Oh yeah, he was uh, he was the Hound in Game of Thrones. He was also in uh, Oliver Stone's Alexander with Colin Farrell. Yeah, playtime's over. Right? You know, <laughs> they work me. And then he hits him. He hits him in the head with a peace lily. Breaks the flower <laughs> pot over his head. Lily. That's like his prized possession. Is yeah. the peace lily. Yeah, it's the peace lily. <laughs> He knocks a guy out with peace lily. <laughs> he uh, bought peace lily for Danny. <laughs> yeah, he did. He bought Danny a peace lily. But it's one of the tough things. Like I think Danny was realizing his dad, everyone he knows and loves, in on like killing a bunch of innocent. 
But he had developed this relationship with Nick Angel. You know, Nick Angel became a, became a mentor to him. Yeah, absolutely. And so he was able to, to follow him. He's able to, to join up with Angel and take the neighborhood watch out. Yeah. <laughs> what are the, the twins' names? Uh, the, the, um, the Andes. That's right. Yes, the Andes. <laughs> and they want them back. Like in the end, like, oh, yeah, they realize within whatever time frame it was, probably not very long of a time frame. Right? Seems like yeah, it takes Andy place Wainwright like, and Andy maybe, Cartwright. I think it's just funny. Um, like It's like over a course of maybe two weeks, like, oh, yeah, we, we want Angel back. It's like that quickly they realize they fucked up. Yep. <laughs> But I, just, I love the, the so, there's so much absurdity to it. Like we, you know, we talk about yeah, this water mine on some farmers. Then later, after everything's all done, gets activated. <laughs> but what I love about it is um, because uh, Inspector Butterman, the chief of, he uh, comes in with a blunderbuss. Comes in with a blunderbuss. <laughs> then, then, uh, then, then Angel pulls a Jackie Chan. Sticks his foot in the trash can, throws it at him with his foot, knocks him back into the evidence locker. He, he trips on the sea mine. Then the sea mine falls a little bit, pushes down one of the plungers on it, and it's blowing up. With only one casualty. Well, it's after he fires the blunderbuss, and uh, Danny jumps in front of it to save Angel. And then uh, you have Danny getting shot. And then the sea mine blowing up, and then it's a shot of a year later. You know, there's a little thing well, that says one year later, and uh, that's the thing about it's, this. It's scene, a close up of if a, you've seen Shaun of the Dead. You're wondering exactly what happens to Danny. Exactly. So uh, you know, one year later, you got Angel walking up to a through a cemetery with flowers, and he stops at a headstone. That it zooms in, it shows the name Butterman, and he starts talking, and then Danny shows up. So you know Danny survived. <laughs> and it was Danny's mother's grave. <laughs> no, he got shot point blank yes, with a blunderbuss. <laughs> For those who don't know what a blunderbuss is, it was like the first shotgun back in the pirate days, back in like the 1600s. That's the perfect thing about Hot Buzz. Like, in, you know, we talked about Shaun of the Dead. They know what type of movie to send it up and what it is and the absurdity of those aspects of it is perfect it's just it, it's a brilliantly made movie i just wish that they could have finished off the cornetto trilogy a little bit better i mean that the next movie in the cornetto trilogy is of course the world's end yeah i think they probably waited and too long yeah i think they waited too long to make it i mean it, it wasn't a bad movie per se I, I wasn't a big fan of it when I saw it in the theater, but then I watched it a couple of year, about a year or so ago. I rewatched it, and it was better the second time that I watched it. But it's still nowhere near the caliber of I Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz. Probably need a better genre to focus on too. Yeah. So in case in case you guys you listeners are uh, wondering, we're not going to be doing that one next. We'll be doing a different movie. But yeah, I mean, The World's End. It, it's it's better. It was better the second time I saw it than the first time, but still not nearly as good as, uh, at least in my opinion, not nearly as good as uh, either Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz. Definitely. So uh, I've only seen Worlds at once, so I should watch it again. Yeah, you should. You should watch it again. It's it's worth a rewatch. But yeah, I mean, we're we're not going to be doing it on this podcast anytime soon. So if There's you were if you were hoping for the entire Cornetto trilogy, you know, back to back to back. 
sorry to disappoint you, but uh, there's other movies that get to. Yeah, a lot. Of there are other fantastic movies that we really want to get to, and that we will get to eventually. So, and yeah, that's not to say we'll it, never it do it. We might do it someday. I don't know, but it won't be anytime soon. And it's funny, like I know it's even the movie that I saw recently. Like, oh yeah, we definitely should do this one. I don't know, we're gonna do it, but we'll do it. Because it's definitely something that harkens back to our uh, younger days. Yep. Pizza and movies. Yes. But I I think we have an idea of what we're doing next. Yes, I, I know what we're doing next. Perfect. What we're doing next is, uh, I'm sure uh, that uh, those, and we've mentioned it before. I think we mentioned it in the first episode, our uh, Star Wars Episode Four, A New Hope episode, about our namesake. It's Since we are Rob and Tony's cinematic adventure, it's only appropriate that we do Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. And that is what we're going to do next. So, join us next time for Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, uh, where we will go through every aspect of that movie. That brilliant Keanu Reeves, Alex Winter, George Carlin movie. Brush up on your Socrates. Yes, brush up on your Socrates. <laughs> yes. And your Billy the Kid. Fantastic movie that I loved growing up, and I still love it now. And uh, it, it's yeah, just an excellent movie. Not, yeah. So if you have Too not good. seen it, if you've not it's seen the enough. original Bill and Ted movie, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, you got a little bit of time to watch it. So uh, go ahead. Uh, if you haven't seen it, watch it. If you have seen it, watch it again. It's definitely it's worth rewatching several times. Nothing rewatching goofy movies. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with watching a goofy movie. Well, I mean, a goofy movie is actually a pretty decent movie too. I enjoyed that one when I was a kid too. But uh, but yeah, like Goofy had a like a son. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) How does that work? (laughs) But but anyway, join us next time for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and uh, we will see you then, or we will talk to you then. (laughs) 